Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your son Jesus is our firm foundation, that in our lives we can trust him, his words, his actions, his life have changed us forever. And God, we pray today as we turn to your written word that you will speak to us. We pray that you'll open our hearts, that by your Holy Spirit we will hear your words, that we will receive them, especially these words about the meaning and significance of work, and that we will apply them in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit so that each and every day of our lives we can bring glory and honor to you by what we do each day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to New Life Online. I'm so glad you're joining us here this Labor Day weekend. And if you're a first-time guest, I want to offer you a special welcome here in this uh, what we call a weekend before New Year's. Now, I know New Year's is actually January the 1st, but for those of us with families, it seems like this time of year when school starts up, as crazy as that has been this fall, it's more of a, a new start, a fresh beginning, a new year than perhaps uh, transitioning from December to January. If you're a, a member or a regular attender of New Life, we're so glad you're here as well. So I hope all of you will simply sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy your time with us today. One of our traditions here at New Life is to talk about work and its significance during Labor Day weekend. I guess that's a little ironic given that most of us get an extra day off of work on Labor Day weekend, but it's important for us to look at our lives and to look at that part of our lives where many of us spend much, if not most, of our time. We're going to look at the person the Bible records as the first worker in the world, Adam, we're going to do that by looking at three passages from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And those passages are going to show us where the blessings and curses of work originated. As we move near the half-year mark of this COVID-19 pandemic season, millions of Americans have been affected when it comes to work. Many have lost their jobs or had their hours reduced. Maybe that's been your case. Maybe you've lost your job or you've had your hours reduced. If not, you certainly have a loved one who's experienced one of those things. And, and literally billions of people worldwide have had their work impacted by this virus. Now, the blessings and curses of work apply whether we're in prosperous times or difficult times, whether we have a job in the workforce or whether we work at home or maybe we're even retired. And these blessings and curses, I guess, probably apply to you who are students because right now we could say that your work is going to school. So before we turn to Genesis, let's look at today's take-home point. The take-home point, for those of you who are watching with us for the first time, is the one point that I'll be making from Genesis that we want to take home and, and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. If we want our work to be blessed, we must follow God's purpose for it. If we want our work to be blessed, we must follow God's purpose for it. That statement comes from a very specific worldview, from a biblical worldview. And actually, it comes from an even more specific worldview within that biblical worldview. And it's a view of the world before sin and death entered the world. What that means is if you don't come to life from a biblical worldview, maybe you don't believe in Jesus, or maybe you're not even sure that God exists, that worldview is going to impact everything about how you think. And so if you have that kind of a worldview, then the statement that our take-home point makes is going to be a little bit strange for you. And I hope if that's the case that you'll stick with us because 
Even if you haven't yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, or maybe you're not even sure that God exists, the principle from our take-home point is still true. And whether we believe it or not, if we apply this principle in our lives, we will experience the blessings of our work and we can avoid some of the curses. I pray that if you're not sure about God or Jesus, that you'll stick with us because this message has the potential to bring you some blessings and to help you avoid some curses when it comes to work. And even those of us who have already trusted Jesus, Savior, and Lord still need to apply the principle from our take-home point because information without application is just information, but information added with application brings transformation. So let's turn to Genesis 2 and let's see how the purpose of our work originated. In Genesis 2, we read, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't tell us anything about our purpose for work. You're exactly right. It tells us what Adam's work was. Adam tended the Garden of Eden. That was his job. It also tells us that God put one restriction on Adam as he carried about his work. There was one tree in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he wasn't allowed to eat from that tree because if he did, we are told that he would die. I share that information because I wanted us to see that Adam had a job. Before sin entered the world, before anything bad happened, Adam had a job. He had work to do. And we sometimes think that work is a result of sin, but it isn't. Work was part of our life before anything bad ever happened. I also wanted to put, uh, give us the idea of what Adam's work was because I want you to realize that if all Adam did was tend the garden, but he didn't have any sense of purpose, then it would just be a job. And so let's look at what Adam's purpose for work, Adam and Eve's actually purpose for work was, as we turn now to our second reading from Genesis. It's Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Do you see God's purpose for our work? God's purpose for our work is to co govern the earth with him. God is the sovereign or ruler over all the earth, over all the universe for that matter. But when he created human beings, after he had created everything else, God told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. We were created as God's co-rulers on earth. What an incredible purpose for our work. Some in our day have seen this command or this purpose of co-governing, ruling having dominion over the earth as a permission to destroy the earth, as a license to do whatever we want to do with it. But nothing could be farther from the truth because God didn't want his creation destroyed. He wanted it nurtured. That's why he gave Adam the job of tending the garden or nurturing it. So when we think of our work, a big question comes up and it's simply this, does our work fulfill God's purpose? 
Now that's a simple question, right? But let's look at a couple of examples and ask ourselves, does this kind of work fulfill God's purpose of co-governing with him? So let's take, for example, being a plumber. Does being a plumber fulfill God's work or purpose for work in our lives? Yes, it does. I mean, after all, what does a plumber do? A plumber brings running water and, uh, and eliminates sewage, helps us to eliminate sewage from our homes. Now, I've been in places around the world where there's no running water and where there is no ability to eliminate the sewage from a home. People there can still govern themselves, obviously, but it's a lot harder to get their water because they have to go to a, to a well or to a spring or to a river or some other source of water, so it takes time out of their day. It's so much harder than just turning on the faucet and having the water be there. And I don't really think I have to say much about the benefits of indoor plumbing. So let's move on. Does working as a lawyer fulfill God's purpose for our work, for co-ruling with him? Well, yes. On the one hand, it does. On the other hand, some of you will get that later. Actually, lawyers can be very helpful in fulfilling God's work of governing the earth, or they can actually be very injurious to the cause. It's time for us to turn to our third reading from the book of Genesis so we can see why a lawyer can either be helpful to fulfilling the purpose of co-governing with God or harmful to it. And actually, it's why a plumber can do the same. After all, if a plumber is selfish only caring about himself or herself, then what will happen is when they approach their work, what they'll do is they'll do shoddy work, they'll overcharge, they won't really care, and they'll do a lot of things that are harmful both uh, to the person for whom they're working and to themselves if they're honest. The passage we're about to read, Genesis 3, 22 to 24, offers God's response to Adam and Eve after they broke that one rule that he gave them. It's beyond the focus of this message to talk in a big picture kind of way about the fall, the moment when Adam and Eve sinned, when they broke their relationship with God and everything changed. At that moment, they didn't die physically, but they did die spiritually. They died spiritually because now their connection with God was broken and everything changed. Their understanding of doing God's purpose for their lives It diminished. In fact, they really weren't sure they wanted to do it. Their work became drudgery, and they had a series of battles within themselves and with each other. So let's read what God determined to do after Adam and Eve sinned. It says, Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take the fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now let's look at a truth that I think would be easy for us to miss as we're talking about how God sent Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden for their own good. Why would I say God sent Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden for their own good? Well, think about it. They had sinned. Their life was fallen. Their relationship with God was broken. Now if they ate from the tree of the the knowledge of good or the tree of life, what would happen is they would live forever in a condition of sin. But here's the thing that would be easy for us to miss in that statement. It says, and he, that is God, sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. The curse of work, when we reject God's purpose for our lives in it, is that work becomes hard. Before Adam and Eve sinned, Adam's work was to tend the garden. Now the work was to cultivate it. 
Do you see the difference? It's all the difference in the world. When Adam tended the garden, there were no weeds growing. In fact, if you think about tending the garden, everything was already growing. Fruit was already being produced. All Adam really had to do was pick the fruit. He maybe had to thin out some of the plants because they grew more. Perhaps after Adam and Eve had eaten all the different kinds of fruits of all the trees in the garden, they would have had to choose some of the seeds to put in some other place, maybe closer to where they like to stay because then those trees and bushes would grow up more plentifully. But now it was going to be so different. And maybe you're thinking, Chris, you're taking this story too literally. No, I don't think I'm taking it too literally at all because none of us have any idea what it was like before sin entered the world, before life was broken, because we've always lived in a fallen, broken world. And I'm not saying that to make us feel bad. I'm saying that because Adam and Eve didn't have to worry about much. They didn't have to worry about wearing masks, did they? Actually, Adam and Eve didn't have to worry about wearing anything. In the new world with sin and death, in the new normal for Adam and Eve, Adam had to dig in the ground to get plants to grow. He had to pull the weeds that grew up with the plants. He had to figure out where to find water or hope that God would continue to provide it as he had done in the Garden of Eden. We live in a world where cultivating is the necessity if we want to grow anything. We don't just tend, we cultivate. And we still use the words tend when it comes to tending a garden or tending animals, but the, the reality is so different Work in a garden or even working with animals is hard and it's not always enjoyable. So what does it mean to be blessed in our work and to avoid the curses of work as those who, have living, who are living in a fallen world? Well, here's what it means. It means to pursue God's purpose for work in a fallen world because his purpose has never changed. God's purpose for our work didn't change because we sinned. God's purpose is still for us to co-govern with him. Now, I don't presume to know how God's strategy of having all the earth be covered and all the world be you know, governed by people. But I guess we could assume, right, that there's Adam and Eve, so Adam and Eve would have children who would have children who would have children. And so Adam and Eve and, and their children would, would work with you know, their parents and their grandparents, and what would happen is they tended the, the, and as they moved over the face of the earth, the garden would grow and everybody would get to Love each other, play together, work together in this beautiful, amazing world. And most importantly of all, God would be with them because God was with Adam and Eve every single day, joined them in fellowship. But after the fall, Adam and Eve still had children. But what we know about their children is the first one, Cain, killed the second one, Abel, brother, killed brother. That's just the second generation of humanity. And we know that not too many generations down from Cain and Abel, the, the, the people of the earth had become so wicked that God destroyed all the human beings except for eight. After human beings stopped fulfilling God's purpose for their lives, for their work, what happens is their minds were dulled and their spirits were deadened and their bodies were awakened to sinful lusts and pleasures. Had it not been for God's great grace and mercy, Humanity might have wiped itself out long before we arrived here. But here we are. And what blessings does fulfilling God's purpose for our work bring in a fallen world? Well, there are many blessings, but let's look at three of them today. Three blessings that come from fulfilling God's purpose for our work are number one, the blessing of closeness to God. Number two, 
the blessing of closeness to one another. And number three, the blessing of a sense of meaning and satisfaction. As I said, we could list many more, but let's just look at those three. So closeness to God. When we do our work for God, we are working for God. We don't see ourselves as working for a boss or working for ourselves or, or working to provide for our family. What will happen is we're gonna sense God's pleasure as we work because after all, God did create us to work. The apostle Paul wrote these words, In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, he said, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good, good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things or the works that he planned for us long ago. You see, we don't have to work to gain God's pleasure or God's acceptance. He already loves and accepts us. We don't, we don't have to work to prove that we're better than other people. We don't have to work because we have to work. We work because God designed us anew in Christ Jesus to do what he created us to do in the first place. Long ago, it says in, in Paul's writings, well, when was long ago? It was before creation God designed us to work and to do the good works that he created us to do. Now, God had to create us anew, because after sin entered the world, that original image of God in us, that original purpose of God to work for him, to love him, to relate to him, all those were lost. So God designed us anew in Christ Jesus, and that newness that we received came in a great sacrifice on the part of Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, that perfect life we were supposed to live. In fact, when we read the Gospels and see Jesus' life, we see what it looks like to live the kind of work that God created us to do. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty of human sin so that we could be created anew as we are born again and live that new life that Jesus created us or God created us to live. So God sent Jesus so he could create us anew so we could, ha- could make and do those good works. And God loves us so much that he wants to be close to us. Once we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, then we are free to pursue the purpose of our work and to to experience a closeness to God in it as we are working. Now, if you think when I say working for God, I'm only talking about being a pastor or or being a missionary or being a a children's pastor, then I, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. In fact, it's written down. It'll be on the screen in front of you because it's so important. Any work that comes out of our relationship with Jesus Christ and fulfills God's purpose of co-governing with him is God's work and it will draw us close to him. For the past five years now, I've had the joy of having a part-time work uh, at Penn United Technologies. And as I've consulted there, one of the things I've realized, and I hope you realize this for those of you who think that pastors don't ever have a real job, or maybe that pastors are the only one whose work is for for the Lord, I want you to know that in those few hours that I work, every month. And when I leave Penn United or most recently for the past several months, when I close out of the WebEx meetings uh, with the team that I work with, I always have a sense of closeness to God, that God was with us during that time and that we were working together to extend his rule on the earth. Please know that you have, if you have work in your life that fulfills God's purpose of co-governing with him, of extending order and purpose and meaning and blessing on the earth, then you have every right to feel close to God at the end of day when you're done with your work. So then the second blessing that we have from our work, if we're pursuing the purpose for God in it, is a closeness to one another. God created us for relationship with himself and with each other. 
Now, Adam and Eve experienced that closeness with God every single day. God joined them every day, and we assume that God experienced closeness with, or Adam and Eve experienced closeness with each other 24-7. And it was such an amazing reality, but, but the serpent came along, and the serpent convinced Eve that what they had wasn't good enough, perfect wasn't good enough, that they could actually become gods, that they could, they could know the things that God knew, and it would be better. And it wasn't better, and it was a lie, but it sounded so true. It, it gave doubt to Eve, and so she ate that fruit that brought death into the world, and Adam ate the fruit, and so sin and death entered into the world. And so since that time, all the descendants of Adam and Eve have fought with each other. We don't know for sure that Adam and Eve fought with each other, although I assume they did because their sons killed, one killed another, and, and down through the generations of children of Adam and Eve, right up to our generation, people have fought with each other, lied to one another, hurt each other, killed one another. And that's why thousands of years later, when Jesus came to restore God's original relationship to us, he gave us a command. He called it a new commandment. And here it is. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave that command to his 12 disciples the night before he was crucified to pay the penalty of the sin of us all. And those last words are so important. And actually, he added a little bit uh, to that statement of love one another. This is what he said. By this will all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when we're created anew in Christ Jesus, we're created anew to love one another. That's part of that new life and the new commandment to love one another is part of ours. So when we're working to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, in our work, we're going to experience a love for one another. So what does that look like? Well, let's take this example. Let's take another example. Let's say that you're a clerk or a, 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 or a cashier at a grocery store, a department store, hardware store, any kind of store. So is that kind of work that can fulfill God's purpose of co-governing on the earth? Of course it is. It brings order. It allows us to purchase the things that we need. So here's how you can approach your work as a co-worker of God so that you can show love for one another. First of all, you can greet them with a smile. These days, that would be behind your mask most likely. You ask them if they found everything they needed. You work diligently. You do your best. And when you're done, you thank them for coming and you tell them, have a blessed day. And you might be asking, well, how was that loving one another? Because the love that Jesus talks about when he says love one another is not a feeling, it's an action. It's giving the best that we have to others in our work. And it means serving them as if we were serving Jesus. Think about that. Whatever our work is, whatever we're doing, if we thought we were serving Jesus in that moment, that would be the kind of love that we would extend to each other. And when we do that in our work, we're going to experience God's blessing. And although we'll be tired at the end of the day, it's going to be a good kind of tired. I hope that each of you sees that this type of attitude and effort because of our allegiance to God is going to bring blessing out of our work and blessing for others. And imagine a multiplying every Christian worker in the world by that kind of attitude, that kind of effort, that kind of allegiance. And that's a lot of blessing. The final blessing of fulfilling God's purpose in our work is a sense of meaning and satisfaction. I've talked to many people over the years who've told me that they don't have any sense of meaning and satisfaction in their work. They're just working to provide a paycheck or they're just sort of biding their time until they get the promotion they want or can change to a different line of work so there's really a sense of satisfaction. 
And I want you to understand, there is nothing wrong with, with working to provide a paycheck for your family. In fact, it's rather noble to provide for our families. It's part of what we are called to do. And working hard now so that we can have a different position later, so that we'll be satisfied, nothing wrong with that either. But when we see that what we're doing right now is fulfilling God's purpose in our lives, we'll go to bed at night with having a sense of satisfaction and a sense of meaning that nothing else really can give us other than that relationship we have with God and that relationship with each other. Now, sometimes we do depend too much on our work to give us satisfaction or even a sense of identity in our lives. But at the end of the day, if we can say, I've helped God govern today, there's a sense of satisfaction in that that is very pleasing and it's a great blessing to our lives. If you're wondering about the curses of work, I don't really think we have to say much about that, do we? Don't we already understand what it's like to have work be drudgery? Don't we already understand what it's like to have work be hard and meaningless, to have a feeling that we're not really close to God and we're not close to other people because our work just doesn't fulfill God's purpose for work in our lives? Or maybe we know what God's work is for us, but we've failed to listen to God and do the kind of God that he, work that he created us to to fulfill his purpose. I've often said that in our lives, we really get to control three things. And those three, three things are our allegiance, which is to God in this case, our attitude and our effort. When it comes to work, if our allegiance is to God first, our work is going to be meaningful. And if we have our allegiance to God first, we're gonna have a sense of closeness to God. And, and if our work is done with our very best effort, there will be a sense of satisfaction to that. And if our work is done with an attitude of love for the other person, then we will love one another. When all of those things line up, we're going to experience the blessings that I mentioned, that closeness to God, closeness to one another, and the sense of meaning and purpose we're intended to have. And when we do that, then what will happen is we'll see the purpose of God, the, the governing of the earth become more and more of a reality until the ultimate time when Jesus returns and his kingdom is established permanently and perfectly forever. So blessings come when we control what we can control and do our work to the glory of God. So that's why our next step for today is this. I will follow God's purpose for my work this week. I will follow God's purpose for my work this week. As we do that, the blessings will flow. For many of us, that might mean adjusting our allegiance or maybe our attitude or maybe our effort. It might mean an entirely new kind of work. We might change jobs completely. Or it might simply mean to just continue to flow in the work that we're doing in the way that we're doing it because we're already lined up in our allegiance and our attitude and our effort. Whatever it means for you right now, I know this. As each of us and every one of us together does the work that God called us to do and does it in the sense of purpose that he gave us, what will happen is there will be a great deal of blessing, not only for us, but those with, the, with whom we work. Amen. So during the message, I said that because Adam and Eve sinned, work became hard. That's true, but also another truth uh, came because Adam and Eve sinned. Death entered the world, and every single human being experiences death because Adam and Eve sin. We get to experience a glimpse of what it can look like in that perfect world when we have our lives made anew in Christ Jesus. Really, everything I said about work is dependent on that becoming new 
in Christ Jesus. And maybe you're one of those folks with a worldview that says, I'm not sure that Jesus is really Lord or or God, or or maybe I'm not sure that God exists. I'm going to challenge you right now to consider this. If you want to have meaningful work in your life, if you want to have meaningful relationships, if you want your life to mean what God created it to mean, the only way to do that is to have Jesus Christ come into your life and be Savior and Lord. Savior means simply that he rescued us from sin and death, and Lord means he gets to be the master of our work. He gets to be the master of our play, the master of every moment of our lives. And really, that's a simple thing. It's, it's not easy, but it's, it's simple. It's as simple as A, B, C. It's simple as admitting that we're sinners. It's as simple as admitting that we are also fallen as Adam and Eve are. And we haven't pursued anything in life with the heart that we were created to do it. It means believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It means changing our worldview, our focus. It means trusting that Jesus is real, that his life in us is necessary for us to live life the way it was tended. And and, and finally, C means confess. It means to confess to God our sins. It isn't enough to admit that we're sinners. We need to confess to God, hey God, my life is messed up. I'm broken, I'm fallen. I'm just like Adam and Eve. And then we confess that Jesus is Lord. We do that publicly. We do that in a daily life. We do that in our work as we simply align our lives with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray right now. And as we pray, I would encourage those of you who have never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life to simply admit, believe, and confess. And then I'm going to ask that uh, those of you who have already done that that we would simply line up our allegiance and our attitude and our effort in a way that brings glory to God through our work. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your amazing creation, the beauty of the earth and the universe. And God, we thank you that you put us at the, at the pinnacle of that creation. You called us to be your co-workers, your co-governors over the earth. And God, we pray for each one of us that we would fulfill our purpose for work in our lives. God, that we would indeed do the things that you created us to do. And we know to do that, we must first align our lives with Jesus. And so God, right now, any of us who are listening, watching, who have not yet trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, I pray right now that they would simply say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are Lord, that you are God that you are Savior, and I I receive that salvation in my life right now. And God, I pray to you, I confess to you my sin. I confess to you that Jesus is my Lord, and I pray that you will use me from this day forward to do your work to your glory. And God, I pray for all of us who have trusted you, who have made Jesus Savior and Lord in our lives, that we would live out Ephesians 2, verse 10, which says that we are your masterpieces. God, you created us to do good works. Before the creation of the universe, you had works intended for us to do. And so today, I simply pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in a new and powerful way, that you might be glorified in everything that we think, say, and do, that you might Bless us in our work so that we can be a blessing to those for whom we work and with whom we work and those with whom we live and move and have our being. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
For those of you who right now for the very first time are saying Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you if you just raise your hand in the chat. That's going to be a link that's there that you can do. And somebody, a host will will talk with you and talk a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus and to live out your life according to his purpose. And for everyone, thank you again so much for being with us. I hope you enjoy your Labor Day weekend, that you have a time of rest and refreshment before you return to your work in this new year. God bless everyone.